Welcome to the final McCovey Croncast of 2017. Uh, it's really the last podcast anyone will record in 2017. That's how amazing this show is. Uh, Brian Murphy, Doug Brizzoni, Sammy Higgins, we're all here. Sammy, uh, how, how have you been? How'd you handle the postseason? Um, I, I did okay. I, I switched allegiances a lot, so I was disappointed <laughs> in every series. Uh, I don't remember who we picked for. We, we kind of did a back and forth of who's gonna who we're rooting for, and I don't remember who we picked. But I I felt pretty happy when we did that segment, and I felt pretty happy with the results of the playoffs. So I'm gonna say I won <laughs> that rooting interest thing. I, uh, I think I was rooting for Houston just because it was a feel good story. Um, I, but I like ironically said I was going for the Dodgers because I thought it would be a jinx, and apparently it worked. Fantastic, Doug. Did you do that? No, I was I was going for Houston the whole time. I was uh, I was going for you know who I wanted to win was like I wanted Dusty to win, and if not Dusty, then the Astros, and if not them, then some other inoffensive to me AL team, and then to be in the Astros. So I'm pretty happy. I'm really surprised by the. I mean, the Astros, it took seven games, but it really did feel like the Astros were kind of steamrolling the Yankees in, all the, in most of those wins, right? And then the Yankees had the comebacks and all that. But it seemed like that was the most surprising part of the playoffs to me was that the Astros, even though it still went to seven games, they, how easily they were sort of going through the playoffs. Basically, when they won, they won very handily. Um, and that was impressive to me. Uh, no, it's a little disappointing as well, just because we've been spoiled with some pretty great Game 7s the last few years. And, um, you know, so to have them in Game 7 just like five runs in the first two innings and that was it, it was a little disappointing for that series. It, it was. I would say, though, I mean, Game 2 was a great game. Game 5 was a great something. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a great baseball game, but it was a great something. So well, I think they've given us those two, and yeah. then at the end they're like, let's not even bother with that again. I, I think you're right. I, I agree. I think the quality of play overall in the postseason was definitely kind of a head-scratcher, but I do want to point this out. The Astros, when they did win, they won easily, yes, so Sammy, you're right, no, no classic games in those victories, but the way that they won those series was demoralizing to the Yankees and the Dodgers. <laughs> so I feel like there is a balance there. Like I, I will take that. The fact and the, that, and the Red Sox too, right? Yes, and the Red Sox. Oh, they God, demoralize. So they demoralize all the fans okay. of those teams. I just, I feel like I have to take a second to say exactly why I kind of switched allegiances from Houston was because of, you know, the the situation with Yuli Gurriel. So it made it a lot less fun for the Houston when Houston won because of how their fans were acting after that incident. And you know, it's just. You just hate to see that kind of racism and open racism in baseball. So that's kind of why I ended up rooting for the Dodgers a little bit by the end. But uh, I think that's a that's a valid point. I just couldn't switch. I, I basically went from Astros to I don't care what happens now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went from Astros to Astros, but I hope Yuli Gurriel strikes out and falls on his ass in every at bat. That's fair. He kind of did. I mean, he had the home run, but he still also kind of did a little bit. Like he wasn't as great after that. For the rest of the series, where do I have that? Yeah, problem? after yeah. he hit that homer off Kershaw yeah. within the juice ball game, it was yeah. just yeah, he did nothing, which I take solace in. Yeah. Also, I feel like that whole incident 
could have been avoided. Not something similar probably would have happened because that seems like that's who he is as a person. But it could have been avoided if the Giants had traded Brandon Belt to the Astros, as I recommended <laughs> back in May. <laughs> I just needed to get that out there pretty quickly uh, and early because we may not have much time to talk about Brandon Belt as a Giant as we're recording this podcast. Things could happen. <laughs> Wait, pod save the world now or pod save america now breaking news within the podcast that's right Uh, but uh, essentially i mean we we're in agreement right when your team's not in the postseason but you have your team has recently won in the postseason the postseason is fun yeah i think so i think it was pretty fun like if the giants had not won the world series at all and any of the three times at all, maybe not even been the postseason. The, the post we, this year would have just been like probably another whatever. But you know, the Giants were so bad; it was easy to forget about them months ago. They've also won recently, so any of the stress in those games, you're like, oh, thank goodness I don't have to feel any of this. <laughs> I, I think we just still had a pretty vested rooting interest against the Dodgers, regardless. That was pretty stressful, actually. Thank you, Sammy, for bringing that up. That's actually, like, especially the, how they won game one so easily. <laughs> it just yeah. Was, <laughs> uh, we're talking a lot about the Dodgers, but it, this feels pretty natural. I, I do want to say it feels like we can, uh, it's unfair. I'm very much Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher on the planet. But I do feel like the except in the postseason caveat is now earned. <laughs> Okay, are we talking game five? Because that's not really fair. I'm not counting his relief. Clown car game. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, it was. was, No, he started game five and he gave up six runs. Sure. If he had not given up six runs, they probably would have won the World Series. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know. As I'm saying, that game was a clown car. So I don't blame him too much for that because everybody was getting wrapped in that game. And I think I'm sort of of the opinion that, yes, the juice, you know, a home run every inning is actually, it's not that fun baseball to watch. But I, my counterpoint to that is there are a lot of bad pitches thrown in the postseason, especially those last four games of the World Series. It really was just like, you know, you Darvish may have been p- tipping his pitches, but he was also throwing the ball right down the middle. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't pretty there, and I don't know what was going on with Kershaw's slider, and it didn't really look like he had a too overpowering fastball, but it's also late in the season. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, everyone was overworked, too, yeah. which is one of the – that's, you know, not to not to keep going about this too much because I know we have a lot of other things to get to, but the bullpen usage has gotten really trendy to go to your bullpen immediately in, like, every game of the playoffs, and that, that'll kill their arm if you do that every day for a month. And that's what I think you saw at the end of the, especially in the World Series, when just every reliever was terrible. Well, yeah, I totally agree. I also think what makes it all bad, because or it's mostly bad, it, it's not just them pitching, it's them warming up too, right? Yeah. Uh, and so maybe that needs to be, if someone can figure out a way to be like, okay, don't warm up Jansen until like the sixth, the seventh inning. Dave Roberts or like that kind of stuff because we saw a bunch of that. Uh, Anyway, this to bring it back to the giants, the shadow of Madison Bumgarner over in the last three postseasons, it's it's he's cast a shadow over the last three postseasons. Clearly game seven of the world series. Doug wrote 
I would say the definitive article on this at this point. And it, it really was such a it so there hasn't been a, a similar circumstance from Bumgarner, so people are just copying the bring in your best pitcher to pitch as long as possible. But that was game seven. The Giants every arm on that roster was toast by game seven. The Royals had the Giants number, except for Bumgarner. And they literally had the hubris or whatever. They were human beings. They literally said, thank God we don't have to face that guy again. No other team has said that about any other pitcher since then. I think that's the key. That's the trigger. And and I think Bochi was not in planning to go with Bumgarner for as long as he did. It just kept working. So it was like, why am I going to take him out if he's just getting outs? Right. I think it's interesting. Like, I feel like if Clayton Kershaw had pitched a good game five and then say that the Dodgers still lost that game... I could have seen potential for him to have a Bumgarner moment in Game 7 because he pitched well in Game 7. It just didn't matter. That's right. No, I I think that's absolutely the case. I think if he had not had the bad Game 5 that he had, even if he had given up three runs or maybe even four runs, it just the way that kind of felt like it got out of control, uh, I I think that just labeled him in in an interesting way. Anyway, and... Right, but I mean, it's just kind of like the difference being that Madison Bumgarner pitched a complete game in Game 5, and so there's a big difference between Absolutely. the two Absolutely. You're totally right. No, I, I, I agree. And Anyway, so that's that's uh, my review of the postseason. Thank God. Uh, that's our review, right? Thank God the Dodgers lost. Thank God the Dodgers lost. <laughs> uh, and that, uh, the end of the World Series led into the Giants basically giving us a bunch of news, uh, and most of that being that they've decided... The, the front office has decided that in order to save their jobs for another year or two, they're going to fire and organize the, the on-field management, which any of you listeners out there, you, you work in offices, you've watched baseball for years and years, you know that's the, the last measure that a general manager, a VP of baseball operations can take to save their jobs, the staunch, the bleeding, that kind of thing. And that's they didn't get rid of Bruce Bochy because you can't get rid of that figurehead. That would look really bad. But uh, the Giants uh, have a new pitching coach. They have a new hitting coach. They have a new assistant hitting coach. They have a new bullpen coach. They have a new third base coach. They have a new bench coach. They've shaken it up quite a bit. Um, Bruce Bochy is still the manager. Alonzo Powell is the hitting coach. Rick Shu is the assistant hitting coach. Kurt Young, uh, former A's pitching coach, is now the Giants pitching coach. Jose Aguasil stays at first. Ron Wotus moves from the bench to the third base coach. Phil Nevin is gone. Hensley Mullins is now the bench coach because the Giants clearly are trying to keep him. And our old <laughs> McCovey Chronicles joke, Matt Hurgis, is somehow now the <laughs> bullpen coach, which that to me is the funniest thing that happened. And basically a lot of moving around, and Dave Rigetti is now a, a special assistant. Mark Gardner, I think, is also a special assistant. Uh, Phil Nevin is out of the organization. Um, and Hensley Mullins is the bench coach. Uh, most likely because he's going to be the next manager in 2019, perhaps. What do we think about that? What do you think about any of the moves? Anyone can chime in. It's free for all. <laughs> um, I think it's it's interesting they're keeping Wotus around as third base coach. Um, it feels like that's maybe just like a bone thrown to him. Like, look, Ron, we know that you've been the manager and waiting for like 15 years, but... If you want to stick around, even though you're not anymore, do the job that you did in 1998. And he was like, all right. I hope the money's the same, at least. 
right? Of what he, of bench coach, and <laughs> he's just an overpaid bench coach. Um, I I think you know it just strikes me as you know you win ninety eight or you lose ninety eight games, you're going to have to do something different, and this is it feels a lot like you know Bobby Evans needs to try to keep his job, keep it going because. If he tanks out with the Giants, I don't like his chances with, around the rest of baseball to to get a similar position with another organization. Uh, someone would take a chance on him, but as even as like an assistant GM, yeah. I, again, I don't see it. I mean, my my view is all the stuff we're seeing from the the organization's mouthpieces are that the Giants are trying to get more analytic, and I definitely remember all of all the nerdy Giants fans, all of us being like, oh, they've got uh, Yashia Goldfarb. They've got their uh, they've got their analytics department. The Giants aren't as behind the times as sort of they've been painted to be. And now it very clearly seems like, like, no, they hired like one or two guys. <laughs> and that's, and then they never did anything else beyond that for like two or three years. And then the rest of the league has entire departments and now they're cutting edge. And so I guess what I'm getting at is like if Bobby Evans leaves, he's just not go- he's going to be like what the Giants are. He's going to be a dinosaur in in the in these in the industry. That's what it seems like. So uh, I'm going to keep stressing to this to all the listeners. It is a terrifying existential dread of all humanity. I think to wake up one morning and recognize that the world is passed by. None of us would be feel comfortable with that. And that's exactly what happened to our favorite baseball team. <laughs> um, nothing. Oh, one thing I want to point out to everybody, go look at Rick Shue's picture on the website. <laughs> <laughs> because he looks like um, he looks like a baby in disguise as an old person. It's a weird oh. it's a weird image. <laughs> uh, but coming over from the Nationals, I mean, I think that's We'll see if it's analytic. I mean, the Nationals just have talented hitters, so I'm not sure what's going to rub off there so much. Uh, right? Because isn't his whole thing going to be like, well, Bryce Harper was just naturally talented. I don't know what I can teach Jarrett Parker that I taught Bryce Harper. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the idea is more that they have guys who have been overperforming. Like, they have Daniel Murphy, who he started overperforming in the 2015 playoffs with the Mets, but you do not expect that to keep going, right? And he has kept it going with the Nationals. So you look at that, you look at, I think, a couple other guys who, I don't know the Nationals that well, but I think Mike, Michael Taylor, right? He he kind of came out of nowhere to be a decent hitter. Um, and you just, if you can have some of that and add in that experience, and then to the guy with the Astros, who are certainly very analytic, even though they also have extremely talented players, but... Um, the, you know, the main hitting coach, Alonzo Powell, he came from the Astros, and uh, Marvin Gonzalez had an amazing breakout year this year after doing nothing for a, for a while. That's what you kind of, the, the that's the resume you want, I guess, if you're the Giants and you desperately need the entire roster to turn it around, except for Buster Posey. Well, I also think if you're getting managers, coaches, excuse me, who are comfortable with coaching with an analytical mindset, which I don't think that's exactly what it is. It's just simply, you know, being able to teach and incorporating analytics into the teaching. I think that's all that's happening. I don't know if you don't have, if you have a bare bones department, how are those coaches going to be helped? 
like where you know the information that they're getting from the, in their other teams we, i think everyone agrees that the astros have like the top one or top three uh, analytics department probably in the entire sport you know it's a lot easier for alonzo powell to not only get information but to sort of get an idea of the, of the thinking behind it that the organization wants. If you're an organization like the Giants, where you think fire is made by knocking two stones together repeatedly, how are you going to teach, you know, how are you going to contextualize the information uh, when you're not getting that much information? I mean, are they are these guys get, basically going to have to work backwards and help the Giants also build out these departments a little bit more? Maybe am I giving the Giants too little credit for what they have in terms of analytics? I, I would say you probably are. Oh, Sammy, you go ahead. Oh. I'm going to say I, yes, Brian, and that's going <laughs> to explain why. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, we should I, do this more. Put Sammy on the spot, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I know, like, I know that weren't they? They were hiring in their analytics department this year or this season, like throughout the end of the season. So I do think that that's something that they are stepping up, trying to step up towards. I don't know if they can implement it in time to have it make any difference with this current team or you know the way it stands now. But I, I, I don't think it's something that they're. What am I trying to say here? I think it's something that is on their radar that they are trying to work towards. But like you said, they they are coming at it a bit late. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I I'm I kind of want to put the reverse. I think I want to just make the Giants stay bad for a while. And I'm gonna say they're gonna have a good season in 2018. Um, because Fine, you son of a bitch. They're gonna, <laughs> it's an even year, and so they're just gonna be oh, better God. because of that. Uh, Real quick, you know, the Giants are already, because of that, not just the hiring, but now that the GM meetings are this week, and probably by the time this podcast comes out, is dropped, whatever you want to say, uh, some big move has happened or some change has happened. But in any case, the plan is the Giants are going to try to make moves on the margins, but also possibly try to swing some sort of big deal. Brian Sabian said the other day that there might be a trade involving a player that they wouldn't make under normal circumstances. And I don't rem- I didn't read the full context of the quote because to me that could go either way. Like we wouldn't ordinarily trade for Giancarlo Stanton or we wouldn't ordinarily trade Brandon Belt and Madison Bumgarner. But like, you know what I mean? It could be either of those options. Um, the Giants have been tied to Giancarlo Stanton and, uh, you know, the Giants don't have any prospects that any team would want. I don't even think the Giants minor league teams, if we're involved in a trade discussion with the Giants, would want those players traded to them for any of their players. I think so as a result, the Giants are just going to take on money. But as Grant pointed out on the website last week, the Giants don't really have any payroll flexibility to absorb any large contracts. And they also have like over $100 million committed like on their 2020 or 2021 roster. So the Giants have really kicked the can down the road. And when they get to the road, the can is actually just going to be a, a moon hurtling at them. So I don't know, in bad analogy corner, how they get out of that. But um, Giancarlo standing to the Giants. Um, we're all for it, right? But we all agree this is just to sell tickets. Uh, I don't... I mean, okay, there's no world in which I say, no, I don't want John Carlos Stanton on my team, but I don't think that, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't, I agree. I don't see it happening. Uh, yeah, I, I also agree. I mean, I, I don't think it would be to sell tickets. I think the team probably does believe that 
and that there is at least a chance they can get a rebound from some of their players. And then if they add a Giancarlo Stanton, then maybe they'll be good enough to go in the playoffs. I don't know that that's true, but I think it, they could legitimately think that. Uh, also, the Giants are not getting him because no. the, the assets the Giants have, the main tradable assets, uh, Joe Panic doesn't fill a role, fill a need for them. Brandon Belt's too expensive for them, and their minor league prospects aren't good enough for the Marlins. So that's why I'm seeing that that's not going to happen. Unless they get bold and move Bumgarner. So. <laughs> we would face a riot in the street. There would be a riot. Joining us now is the Giants prospect maven, McCovey Chronicles prospect maven, Roger Munter. Roger, the Giants lost a lot of games. Uh, they're going to draft high in next spring, but they, in this most recent draft, they did very well uh, on the surface, industry-wide. People seem to like what the Giants got. You and I discussed that the Giants sort of drafted uh, higher ceiling guys than they tend to. How, have it, how did it shake out this year? Did anybody look good? Um, yeah, I would say one of one of the very few positive things that came out of 2017 was uh, it looks like they got a real steal in the later middle half of the first round. Uh, Elliot Ramos had a eye-opening debut this year, and um, I have certainly not heard many many comments from any of the observers that were not extremely enthusiastic. So it really does look like they got somebody who fell to them. Uh, who, whose talent probably would have put him in the top 10. Um, so it's Elliot Ramos, not Helio Ramos. It is Elliot Ramos. That's All probably right. the first thing to know about him, which is too bad because uh, uh, Helio makes so many more clever puns but yeah. or, or titles. But I have heard him say his name, and it is Elliot. Well, you can still get the E.T. references in there, so it's not the end of the world. Um, Sam Elliott Ramos. All right, I'm, I'm going to workshop this. We'll come back with some stuff there. So this isn't an Eddie Martinez Esteva situation where he's like, it's that kind of, oh, for the Giants, it's a it's an exciting prospect. It's like legitimately other teams wish they had drafted him. Yeah, so the, the Angels with... Um... I'm going to say the ninth pick in the draft uh, took a kid named Joe Adele, who was also a high schooler with huge power. And uh, he and Ramos ended up playing the same league together, most of the league. And I think a lot of the observers in the rookie league said, these guys are sort of a toss up. You could flip a coin over these guys. Um, And the difference really was that Ramos, because he was from Puerto Rico and didn't quite have as lengthy of track record on the showcase circuits against better talent, um, that caused him to drop down the extra 10 picks. But in talent, people were looking at him versus Adele at number nine and saying, these guys are really equivalent in terms of their tools and their skill sets. That's exciting. So yeah. uh, I think I remember there being a couple of Puig comparisons come up uh, on Twitter here and there. Uh, I, I, not I, in personality, I, just in raw talent. <laughs> so I'm trying to get a sense of what do you think? But yeah, I, my favorite comp for for Ramos was uh, Puig with good makeup. <laughs> uh, I you know it's, as I think I said last summer, uh, this is exactly the kind of guy who I'm always hoping the Giants take, and I certainly am hoping they're going to take in 2018, uh, and they did, you know, because they I think recognized that that tools are really an asset in this industry, and they don't have enough of them in their system. 
which is something that's probably going to affect the the trade talks happening in this in this next week. In fact, for sure, there's no question about that. Um, I think the Giants organizationally, right? They're going to basically be wandering the desert for a few years while they <laughs> get their act together. It's uh, they have challenges in front of them. That's for sure. They <laughs> they have a thin system right now, and it's going to take some. I don't know what it's going to take. Some very creative thoughts. Uh, so the the um, Arizona Fall League that has some of these, a couple of these Giants guys. Steve, I'm always saying his name wrong. Steve Duger, 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 uh, uh, Duger. Sabian always says Duger, which Duger. Con- confuses me because I think his name is Duger, but I think that Sabian should know what his name is. So uh, <laughs> I'm I- I'm actually a little confused on that. I can tell you in, in Sacramento on the PA system, it's always been Duggar. That's what I thought he was coming out of college, too. So that's what yeah. I call him. Well, if he ever makes a major league roster, it's going to be Duggar. No, ah, see, we're it... not going to know. We're not going to tell because Kruko is going to say Duggar and Kite's yeah. going to say Duggar. And we're going to be just so confused. Uh, so he's what, <laughs> named to be determined later, and Chris Shaw are also uh, there, and Aramis Garcia, a catcher, which I don't. I always forget. I also just think of Aramis Ramirez because that's how much my brain is is good at words and memory. But uh, <laughs> is there anything on the hitting side? I'm, I'm ignoring pitching for now because okay. I don't know. I don't know how what value unless you're telling me like there's this pitcher that the Giants have who's electric. I just want to know if they've got anyone who can hit a ball out of a park. <laughs> well, so. Uh, one of the things that was a big story this year has continued to be a big story in the fall, unfortunately, which is injuries. Um, Chris Shaw, who was supposed to be one of their, their better prospects in the AFL, had his AFL season mostly cut short by some kind of shoulder soreness. Um, I'm not really sure what that's all about or if it's anything serious, but he ended up only playing a handful of games. And then down in the... Uh, and I believe the Dominican League, Christian Arroyo uh, only played two or three games before he, the same hand that he had had surgery on before was giving him some problems. And I think he had another surgery to put a plate in his wrist. He did. Yeah. So that's been a very disturbing part of the, of the fall season. So Chris um, Shaw is John Balkering before our very eyes. And he hasn't even played in the major leagues. And Christian Arroyo's career is over before it really got started. That's disheartening. Um, I, I wouldn't go quite that far. The, the good news is that Jarrett Parker was also hurt. So <laughs> That's his default status. His, his eye was hurt, right? I thought it was his it cap. Was like, oh, is it, I read originally that he had conjunctivitis. Uh, but that's right. I, I did later see a calf injury too. So uh, injury to be determined on Jarrett. <laughs> uh, but so however, no good news. The good, so the good news of all this, after we, we set aside the bad news, is uh, Stephen Duggar has really shown himself quite well. And you know, to backtrack on that, Duggar his first full season in 2016 was exceptional. He had a really great debut in Double A. He looked playable in center field. He's very fast. He's got a great arm. Uh, did a lot of things well. And then most of his 2017 was was uh, damaged by a couple of lingering injuries that took his first couple months away. Uh, but he's had a really exceptional fall campaign. And not only has he, he he's played center field 
the whole time. He has stolen a lot of bases, which is one of the things when he came out of college, he had great tools, but scouts tended to say his schools didn't know his tools didn't always play in games. And one of them is that he's very, very fast, but he tends to get thrown out on the bases a lot. In the in the fall league, he's stolen nine out of ten bases, which is very unusual for him. And he's lately been showing home run power too, which is another thing. He has power, but his game swings tends to be more contact oriented. So it's nice to see him not only having success, but starting to see some of the tools play in games is, is pretty exciting for him. Well, then let me ask you this. Doesn't that seem like a player that, given the Giants' circumstances, which, let's face it, they're in a stealth rebuild. They're not going to admit it. But that, say, June or maybe the end of May, they bring him up and they just they let him do what Altuve and Springer did and just struggle through it until he can get somewhere. <laughs> If he can show in, say, spring training in the first month or two of, of a minor league season that what he's picked up here in the fall is kind of carrying over. Yeah, I mean, I think you he's going to be 25, of... right? He's going to be or 24 and a half, I guess, when the season uh, starts. He was a June. Yeah, he just, he, he he just turned 24. 24, just, that's right. 24. So he'll be 24 next year. I, I think one thing you've heard from several of the beat writers is that probably he would have been on the team last year if he had been healthy out of spring. So I definitely would expect to see him. I know they're they're very high on him, and he is a guy who looks like he will be a big leaguer of some stripe. And we'll see. If, I think it, a lot, particularly in this day and age, has to do with how the power plays. You know, Even yeah. in a center field role, you'd like to see some power. But I think there's a floor there that's something very Gregor Blanco-ish. Which, my God, how much did the Giants miss him last year? Which is yeah, a surprising no thing to say. Well, I mean, I guess if the Giants... I mean, I hope one of these days the Giants pick up a player because he's got great, great um, the ability to take a walk. Because I feel like oh. that will work around the power issue because that organization has for 20-plus years you know, not been able to do anything with power. That yeah. seems like a guy who can take a walk is much easier <clears throat> than to find yeah, which which Duggar definitely does, and I, I should have mentioned that. Going back to Clemson, he has always been a strong on-base percentage guy. Such a weird thing to think because it <laughs> feels so rare in the organization. All right, well, is there anyone that, you know, fans heading, you know, when they start thinking about baseball when the calendar turns that you want people to definitely, you know, Rogers pick. The, the, M- Munter's man. Munter's man. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> If for for the major league team for 2018, any anything like the the Giants have a garbage organization from top to bottom, but there's this one little there's a golden ticket in there, and look for this golden ticket. Who's the golden ticket? Um, okay, well, so, so we've already talked about Shaw, who I like very much, um, and it's not because we both went to the same college. <laughs> Uh, and, oh, hold and, on. Pause on that. I feel like the TV broadcasters, I feel like he was talked about a little bit last year. The organization kind of pushed him a little bit to make some create some awareness about him. So who are we missing is sort of my bigger thing. So a little bit further down, here's here's my pick, is a, a kid named Sandro Fabian, who should be in San Jose this year, um, who had a interesting and sort of mixed season last year in uh, his first full season in Augusta in the Sally League as a 19-year-old 
Uh, ended up being pretty good numbers, although you are really going to love this. He had, uh, I think, six walks on the year uh, <laughs> is the number that leaps into my head. Um, he did tend to swing a lot. He was uh, a little hyper-aggressive, and that led to an on-base percentage of uh, in the 290s. But as a teenager in a very difficult hitting environment, um, he showed the thing that he's been known for for a couple of years, which is that he can hunt a fastball, he has power, he has some real hitting potential. Um, a, 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 a new approach or a, 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 a more disciplined approach is going to help him if he has a future, but I think if people go to San Jose and look for Fabian, they're going to see a really good all-around player. Oh, that's great. Uh, I pulled up his stats while you were talking there, and it, it was 10, 10 walks in 122 games, 480 at bats. So. That's right. There were yeah. a flurry of walks in, yeah. in late August. I know. <laughs> in, fact, uh, in fact, his second half of the season, uh, there was a time in like June where he was down in 220 or something, striking out all the time. If you look at the splits for first half, second half, his second half was really, really impressive, which given that it's his first full season, he should have been fatigued. He's still a teenager. It was a really impressive second half. Uh, a nine to one strikeout to walk ratio, which is amazing. That so, that could stand some improving. <laughs> that is Nick Hunley esque, and the Giants are going to give Nick Hunley a two year deal. So, uh, well, fantastic. Uh, I can't do is uh, following the the minor leagues where uh, a lot of failure is baked into the the process of following them is. Basically, how you were more immune to the Giants' major league season than the rest of us, I would assume, right? You know, the 2017 minor league season was not <laughs> a lot of fun, <laughs> to be perfectly yeah. honest. Every, Every team guy. was, like, significant. Like, they were the worst team in, in the sport, right? Except, Every level? Except for the rookie league team that Ramos and uh, some other really kind of interesting players were on. Every other team was last place. Several of them had the worst record in the league. Um, and they were even worse than that. They were just, they were thin. The double A team signed a lot of indie league players just to fill out the roster. And that's, that was kind of hard to watch that, <laughs> that they were, they were literally having difficulty with rosters. Yes. <laughs> What's the highest level of the giant of giants minor league system that will be over 500 this year? The highest level. Um, right. I- if, you know, Richmond and Sacramento are both bad, but San Jose is fine than San Jose. Yeah. Um, boy, I don't <laughs> know where San Jose is going to get any pitching from this year, to be honest with you. Um, okay, I'm going to be the independent super leagues, optimistic. Right? <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> I'm, I think Augusta can field a 500 <laughs> team, although they're going to be really interesting because they should be very young. San Jose is going to have... Boy, I don't know about San Jose. Uh, I just don't know where they're going to come up with the pitching staff. But I'm going to be super optimistic and say Richmond will be 500 this year. What do you think about that? All right. I they're going to have, I think, a couple of interesting pitchers. So that should help. Well, fantastic. Uh, do either of you, do, Doug, uh, Sammy, do either of you have any questions? No, I'm thoroughly depressed. <laughs> Wait, maybe Sacramento will be 500. Let's be even better. They're going to have, like, Chris Shaw and Christian Royo and all the Chris's and Tyler Beatty and <laughs> if they're good, they'll have them for a month. Right. Yes, right. 
Roger, let me let me just throw this out there. This is not in any way intended as an insult to you, but Excellent. if you were so, if you were a betting man, if you had to bet this, yes. how how many weeks away are the because the Giants minor league organization? You just painted a partial picture of a of a disaster humping a tragedy. It's just <laughs> it doesn't sound good at all. It sounds mismanaged. How many weeks away, over or under, would you put if we had to bet? of you being hired by the Giants minor league in some capacity <laughs> to not, not play, not play, just like find guys. I, I am fairly confident that the Giants are never going to hire me. So about 40, 40 and a half weeks. Is, Something that's like the that. Yes. Under? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, outside of the year. All right. I, well, I, I do not think they're that desperate. Oh, all right. Well, we'll revisit this in a few months and we'll see. Once. <laughs> Roger, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Bye, right. Roger. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Roger Munter, you can find Minor Lines on McCovey Chronicles um, and you can find him uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm. This is my Twitter uh, spiel I'm giving to everybody right now. I, I'm downplaying Twitter now because I think it's pretty clear that if they're not sympathizers, they're literal white supremacists on the site So who, who run the site. So now I, I don't want to give... <laughs> Twitter traffic and business too much, but uh, at ROG61, right? That's your, that, your handle. That, that is me. I've been pretty sporadic yeah, yeah, uh, this, yeah. this fall, I have to say. So send them your questions, and uh, yeah, thanks again, Roger. Thanks. All right. Okay, before we get to your questions, um, well, let's do – I want to revisit something that Doug and I did, and Sammy, you're here. Uh, so this is, this is good. I think this will, we can we can knock this out. Um, but back in March, at the end of spring training, uh, Doug and I we we were seeing Joe Madden's name pop up, or I was, and I got mad and I forced Doug to join me in ranking National League managers. Uh, and we used a couple. So we want to revisit these rankings. Um, the we Brian Price was 13, Andy Green was 12, Don Mattingly 11, Terry Collins 10, Craig Council 9, Pete McCannon 8. Bud Black, 7, Dave Roberts, 6, Mike Matheny, 5, Clint Hurdle, 4, Dusty Baker, 3, Joe Madden, 2, Bruce Bochy, number 1. If you don't know what teams these are, if you're listening, you'll figure it out or we'll let you know as we talk about them. But uh, that's the list. Terry Collins, no, no longer the manager of the Mets at number 10. Dusty Baker, no longer the manager of the Nationals at number 3. Pete McCannon, no longer the Phillies manager at number 8. So those are the big moves. I don't think I'm missing anybody else there. Uh, the number one manager uh, managed a 98-loss team. <laughs> yeah, and, really well done there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> they did, killed it. Yeah, we at a, we only ranked 13 of the 15 managers because Troy Lavallo of the Diamondbacks and Brian Snicker of the Braves is their first managerial jobs. So we had no track record to go off of. Lavallo for the Diamondbacks went 93 and 69, uh, made the playoffs, won the wild card game, um, and lost to the Dodgers in the first round. Brian Snicker of the Braves went 72 and 90, which that's still a rebuilding team for the most part. Um, so those are the, the two new guys to consider here. And we're, we, we can't prognosticate most of the people we named. I don't think there have been any managerial hires, right? The nationals are circling Dave Martinez or was that official? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, oh, and then uh, the, the Phillies that, hired, the Phillies yeah, hired uh, Gabe Kapler. Yeah. Now, they're, oh, actually, they're all they're all official in the NL. Okay. The only vacancy right now in the majors is the Yankees. Okay. Oh, right. And then the Yankees with the uh, I forgot who the Mets went with. Um, uh, they. Oh, I've never. They went with Mickey Calloway. Oh, right, 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 right. So, Sammy, since you're you're the 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 new you're the visitor here or to this list, what do you think? Yeah, you can comment on what you thought about it at the time and what you think about it now. It's up to you. 
By the way, if you say the the list is garbage, you're also saying that we personally are garbage, which is 100% accurate. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was implied. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. I, you know, you got a few of the playoff guys up there, but uh, I, I can't. Okay, to be fair, they were saying before the season that the Giants were expected to be, you know, they ranked them pretty high. So I, I can forgive you guys for putting Bochi up there. Um, Madden, fair enough. He got the playoffs. Baker, same. Robert should have been higher. And I would say that just in general, the Dodgers manager should always be pretty high because it's always pretty safe to assume that they'll make the playoffs and do fairly well, but that's still a good team. Um, oh, but I mean, was it fair when Don Maddenly was the manager to say he was a good manager and to say he's not a good manager now that his team is bad because he's on the Marlins? Right. It seems like his his skills probably haven't declined, so... Trying to separate sort of we, the manager right, from right, the team. Right, right, right. I went back okay. and I listened to it, which is a rarity. I rarely go back <laughs> and listen. We have we had sort of five criteria. Again, I just pushed these on Doug. He had no choice. He couldn't he <laughs> couldn't log off. He will never log off. Uh, that, never. Basically, a sort of performance based on perception, like how do people think they did based, you know, how they should have done. The statistical analysis of the talent, basically, you know, how do the players perform overall? Are they using the right sort of mix of players in the right leverage spots to line up roster construction, whatever you want to do? Perception in the clubhouse, meaning what do the players think of them? Public right. persona slash interviews, and then in-game managerial strategies. So that was sort of the main thing. And that's sort of why Brian Price landed at the bottom, mainly the public persona thing. We certainly thought, well, the clubhouse perception should have been bad. The Reds are, you know, a, a disaster. So, I mean, that was sort of the thinking. And that's why Dave Roberts, we, we really did say, like, he just didn't have enough of a track record. But we, right. were, we were very complimentary based on just the one the one year of like it seemed, and he got better as the season went on and all that stuff. Uh-huh. So and that's why Matheny's I mean, so high. Like he's, you know what you can say what you want about him, but his teams since he's been the manager have been very successful. So, uh-huh. um, and I would say that, you know, say what you will about the giants here and Bochi being at the top. I think our actual biggest miss this year based on results was probably Craig council who did an amazing job with a pretty bad brewers team based on yeah. talent. Oh, I agree. Um, no, that's what so, we're going mean, we to revisit be probably this list. fourth yeah. or something, but yeah. yeah. Um, we also said that Bud Black was sort of in the middle of the pack because we looked at his track record, and you know he had he kind of made the most of what he had. But then Doug brought up the point, the valid point that well, that that 2010 Padres team they collapsed. You know, the Giants kind of ran them down, but really they just fell apart. And so that we counted that against Bud Black's mark. And so I'm going to open up our re-rankings here, or where do you think he should be now? And say, I don't think the Rockies, I don't think the Rockies really collapsed. I think they had a, I think all five of their starting pitchers were like rookies or very young. So I think they just ran out of innings for their for their talent. But I think he managed that bullpen, the pitching staff. They seem to be invigorated and find a lot of talent that you would. And he seemed to use them in the right spot. So, mm-hmm. I, to me, I agree totally about Dave Roberts at the end of the season that he should be higher. But I also think Bud Black, if if he doesn't go any higher, he shouldn't go any lower. He, I he agree. Was a, he was a, he was, wound up being a pretty good. That's it. That was an interesting fit, right? Because the Rock, they basically put a pitching coach in as their manager, uh, and he seemed to do a good job. But yeah, let's the I. What have we learned about Bruce Bochy after this year? <laughs> uh, well, so seems... I, I'm because I've I've heard a couple things that I've 
I'm not supposed to repeat. Oh. Well, Hopefully. if I get close, will you be like, uh-huh, that's a... <laughs> just say, uh-huh, that's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think Bochi clearly did not have a great year, both in results and process. Um, there were, you know, in the media, there were there were some stories about him losing the clubhouse, um, which happens when you lose 98 games, but it is also a mark against the manager. Um, and I would say you can't drop him to the bottom, bottom. Um, Brian, Free, Brian Bryce and Andy Green are still going to live there. Um, <laughs> but he's going to be kind of middle-ish, and I think I feel pretty comfortable putting Bud Black in front of Bruce Bochy this year. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what I would say about that. Interesting. Well, what what a difference uh, <laughs> like yeah, what a difference seven and a half months can make. Jeez. Um, uh, uh, about Andy yeah. Green. About Andy Green. There was a comment I read. I can't remember who the writer was. Maybe it was Eno Saris. I I can't remember. But basically, like I was just. I had a game on in the background, and it was the Padres and the Giants. And he goes, I know the Padres aren't a good team, but when I watch the Padres, I at least see a talent, a team with talent. <laughs> and so I wonder, you know, 71 and 91, not exactly lighting the world on fire. They were expected to be terrible. They were not the last place team in their division. So, uh, and, and the Reds, they started off pretty strongly. Uh, or they st- start off sort of surprisingly, and then they wound up with the same record as the Giants, of course. So, I I don't know. Are we going to put Andy Green ahead of Bruce Bochy? Or you're you're fine. I'm not. Put, you know what? I'm not putting Bruce Bochy below Don Mattingly. And we had we had Price. Green, <laughs> I wouldn't and Mattingly. put him below Terry Collins either. I well, Terry either. Collins is out yeah. now. Yeah, Terry well, Collins. Well, I know, but out. in terms of the season. Yeah. No, and I um, can't. I can't evaluate Troy Lavallo and Brian Snitker really either. I, I can't. I mean. I whenever the Giants played the Diamondbacks, it really was the Giants just falling apart. So <laughs> I don't really. I, I mean, taking that team and and basically, there is something to be said. I mean, they they won ninety three games last year. They 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 lost almost that many or whatever it was. You know, he was in in some ways a steward or a shepherd of the talent that was already there. That should count for something. So, uh, all right. I, I don't have any organization here, but we're laughing at the list. Bruce Bochy's no longer number one. I will I will give this podcast over to True Blue LA before I put Joe Madden number, <laughs> before I put Joe Madden number one. That's not happening. So, but let's talk about Dave Roberts for just a second. I think Dave Roberts is probably the third best manager in the National League at worst. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. And I don't any of the criticisms that came for the world series. This is, you know, you point out this with like all the pitchers just got tired from overuse. I kind of think if you're a manager and now the new model is make multiple pitching changes, you're also making, if you're, especially if you're a national league manager, you're just making multiple decisions. And so now it's just decision roulette. So in some sense, I'm like Dave Roberts made so many right decisions. Like if he's a hitter, he, you know, he's probably, or he's getting 70 or 80% of his choices working out. The 20% that don't, you know, the more you make, the more magnified they seemingly become, right? So, I don't know. I would say on the whole, Dave Roberts, the whole season, took a talented roster and had the best team. So That's true. I, I would also say about the criticism of Roberts in the World Series that um, it's what, you know, for a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's what he had to do is you have to, in the playoffs, 
do the extreme short-term play of putting five relievers in every game in order, and you're sacrificing a lot in the long term. And it caught up with them. And just because I don't know how to do it better in this kind of environment doesn't mean there's not a way. And that's kind of what he's, he gets do- he would get docked for. He wanted to dock him for something. But otherwise, I mean, he did a great job. Look at um, look at how much Puig has turned around turned around under Dave Roberts. That's a huge part of that team. Uh, he is either hired or either either hired great hitting coaches to to help you know Chris Taylor or he has let the the front office hire great hitting coaches and then work with them well. Either way, it reflects well on him. I mean, Dave Roberts might be number one legitimately. Yeah, and I and as much as you know. I think Dusty Baker, I also want to revisit this because I definitely was very high on him when we did this ranking. And I don't know, you know, it's hard to, you know, ultimately your players have to play well. But, you know, someone laid out Dusty Baker's entire postseason career and his record and all that stuff. And I'm sure there's a there's a meeting of the Nationals being a hilarious organization when it comes to the playoffs. And Dusty Baker's... You know he's not Joe Torre. He doesn't have the magic, the the fortune of the, the the moves on the fringes, you know, or the big decisions don't always tend to work out his way. And sometimes he doesn't make a move, or he makes a move, you know, makes a move too late, or whatever it is. So I I don't know. I ultimately I think Dusty Baker is a solid manager, and it probably stinks he's not going to get another job. I don't see that happening. Um, at least it, in the next year or two. It absolutely stinks. I think the only thing he really did wrong this year in the playoffs was he shouldn't have brought Scherzer in um, that game five. Yeah. Which, that was a bad idea in a lot of ways. I'm sure he also felt like he had to because of the pressure to put pitcher ace in relief. Um, but, I mean, that one move might have cost him the job. Or, you know, maybe they lose anyway if he doesn't do that, and then he he's out of a job anyway. Yeah, so, but and the other I can't thing, really tell. Yeah. The national, I think the Nationals did a bad, dumb thing firing him, but I, I don't, I, I do not like what the, what the Nationals did firing him. I think he was here for that team. I agree. I, I, I will also say this because sure, certain moves, but I also say people talk about lineup construction, whatever. I'm like, you know, I would rather have uh, Rendon in the Jason Worth spot. And the fact that Jason Worth is having these crucial at-bats with the elimination on the line when that could have been Rendon, who is a significantly better hitter not just this year, but last year. <laughs> and the fact that Baker seemed to have, not really seemed to recognize Rendon's effectiveness, um, I thought that was a problem too. Um, on the other hand, it is nice to see Jason Worth fail. So uh, <laughs> so in that sense, thank you, Dusty Baker, for highlighting that. Um, but yeah, I guess a lot changed, especially in the National League, because right, we're only saying in the American League that uh, one spot was open, which is... Probably the well, no, there was the, the Red Sox spot on the Reds and the Red Sox. Sorry, uh, I would say the Yankees probably their Yankees canning was the most surprising one because yeah. the Nationals, the learners, uh, that's the Nationals owners, right? They're very fickle when it comes to that manager stuff, they really are. So, that's least not as surprising as the Yankees executing a stealth rebuild that wasn't actually, they didn't actually go down for any length of time (laughs) (laughs) with a very good manager. Um, Yeah. I think that's all we need to cover with the manager thing um, because Bruce Bochy's fall from grace has been into the bottom third of national league managers has been, it was pretty sharp, pretty surprising. Um, Congratulations to uh, Dave Roberts somehow. 
It's, <laughs> he's former giant, so it still counts as Giants talk. We can do this. <laughs> uh, so now let's get to your questions that we asked online on that website, and uh, that we for the last time this year. And um, you can feel free to send us during the off season. We'll try to catalog them. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, if anyone else, I'm just going in no particular order here. Um, I, I think the first thing to say, by the way, if you send us questions, make sure your account is not locked. Yeah. Oh, people <laughs> did that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That, if you remember, uh, Amber, who sent us a bunch of questions, she, her account's locked now. So wow. I think she sent us at least one, but, okay. uh, yeah, Can't get it. Yeah. somebody can, responded. To her. You can follow her and you can get the, get the question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just start with the first one I see, which is which is a pretty new one. I'll try to go back for the older ones. Uh, Rob Hainer at Robert Hainer asks, which Marvel movie would be the 2017 Giants? Thor The Dark World. I disagree. I think Thor The Dark World was fun, even though it was stupid. Uh, the Giants were not fun. So I'm going to say it was Iron Man, be- Iron Man 2, because I never saw Iron Man 2, and I don't ever want to see the 2017 Giants again. <laughs> I have seen one Marvel movie, and I, it was The Avengers, and I liked it, so I don't have a comparison. Okay. <laughs> Surprisingly, I might be agreeing with Doug here that that Iron Man 2. Uh, but the thing is, like, Thor, The Dark World, actually visually didn't even look good. Iron Man 2 at least looked pretty solid and sleek. But that was something made up on the fly of a bunch of disparate parts. <laughs> but then again, Thor The Dark World had a bunch of behind-the-scenes chaos that led to a really weird, cut-up movie. So actually, you know what? I'm changing it again. Thor The Dark World. <laughs> You're wrong, Doug. Uh, <laughs> we Detective, uh, at our, our favorite detective, uh, We Detective, at WolfmanZack <laughs> underscore, uh, asks, let me ask you this, LOL Dodgers. Yes, we can get an answer. That's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Important, really. Is um, it, yeah. the, the fact that it was game seven, right? Like they they were on it up until the very end. That's the sweetest part of it. Because they go in, they lose in five, lose in six. Oh, good. It's a relief. There's something a little sweet about that game seven. <laughs> Well, so no, but we were talking about a little bit on McCovey Chronicles in the comment section talking about, is it worse to lose game seven? Like in the beginning, you just come in, your pitcher just craps the bed and it's over. Or to be strung along to the end of the game and lose at the end of the game. Because that seems worse because we've been there. Yeah, it's worse I mean, to lose that, at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, well, you're never going to watch that game again. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. There's, I don't have any desire to watch any of the 2002 World Series. No, not one. Yeah, I didn't see it the first time, and I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, it was I, not I'm a bust, yeah. and I was happy to not see it. <laughs> I'm happy to watch like the clip of Barry Bonds homering in Game Two, and then the dude on the Angels being like, "That's the longest homer I've ever seen." That I'll, yeah. I'll watch that, um, and I guess I'll. I'll watch the highlight of JT Snow picking up Darren Baker, who's in college, by the way. You're uh, old. Uh, I would uh, say uh, Reggie yeah, Sanders getting hit with a thunder stick still sticks in my mind and makes me really angry. Yeah. Um, really angry. Wow. Now I just got really angry. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Gloss launching a ball in the left center field alleyway and I'm Barry Bonds pulling a stupid deke move, but I remember it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, at LB37 asks, is it possible that the San Francisco Giants aren't the worst Giants of 2017? Twitter seems to think the football Giants are. Now, I have something to say about this because we are recording this. Right now it is 5.08 on Sunday afternoon. Five hours ago, I would have said that was stupid. <laughs> but then, here's what happened. The New York Giants just lost a football game to the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, my and God. It, it, and it was that a blowout? It was a blowout. What? So, what? Yeah. So you know wait, what? Wait, was it a 49ers I, blowout, like three to nothing? Or no? But if, wait, wait. If if no one was there, did it really happen? Because I saw the crowd. I I think it did happen. I think it still counts. I think that that might be enough to make the New York Giants more disappointing than the San Francisco Giants. The yeah, final I, score was was thirty one twenty one, and it wasn't really even that close. Like oh it my was, God. They pushed yeah. it back a little bit then, because they were just like thirty-one, thirteen when I last saw it. Yeah, that's what that's when I saw it too. So the I, so New York is yeah, over. A minute like, left. Yeah, the, so the, oh. the, last the city and state of New York is over officially. <laughs> <You're right. Exactly. laughs> it's over. My God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> so I think I think so the New York the Giants are the worst <laughs> Giants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least the San Francisco Giants has Buster Posey. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's. I can't believe we actually answered that question the way that we did. <laughs> um, at Steve Svensson, great questions always. Please list the free agents who got qualifying offers and explain why signing them is such a bad idea for a team that has no minor league talent. Uh, okay. I'll I don't. Uh, that. Uh, okay. No. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall all the people who get them, but ba- generally speaking. The rule is if you're if a team tags a player with a qualifying offer and that player rejects it, that makes them a free agent. Um, the team that wants to sign them then has to cough up some uh, two draft picks now to the team that that offered it to them. So yeah. but if a player is traded midseason and they become a free agent at the end of the season, they cannot be offered a qualifying offer. So. Uh, J.D. Martinez cannot he, he has no qualifying offer attached to him no draft picks it's just money but um, who's who's an example of just a straight up free agent uh, Mike Moustakis, um, Lorenzo Cain there we go so uh, the Royals guys any of those guys because they were not traded they would the Royals can offer them a qualifying offer um, I think it, it depends on the player sometimes it's a good move sometimes it's not um, and it, anyway uh, yeah so it's it's a bad move for the Giants because the Giants um, don't have money and they don't have um, and they don't have prospects and it would cost them both because if they were to get that player they would also have to pay that player millions of dollars and they'd have to give another team uh, their future picks coming up. So and I don't, we, we want those picks. Need those picks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be clear. So. Yeah. It's not always the qualifying offer system. They made it even worse, and it's really bad. It's really uh, the the way the players' union has allowed that to that system to both come up and then evolve is is pretty bad. I, don't I will, see I will how, say this for the players' union: they did restrict it so that you can only get a qualifying offer once now, which is a big improvement instead of consecutive years. But how there had never been an example of that happening, so it it. I guess, but now it's sort of like you're putting a lot of 
players like these Royals guys are actually le- legitimately in a situation where it's like, well, geez. I'm, so then in theory, what you're saying is they should take the offer this year and then not worry about it next year because their, their market would seemingly be better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they, if they're going to, they think they're going to be good this year, which every player thinks, then yeah, this is, this is not bad for them. But. And they're And I think, and it goes up pretty much every year. It's like the average of the top 20 salaries or something like that. And uh, so it's going to be like 17 or $18 million. It's, it's going to be good. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, Human error at B underscore Demugno asks Demunio. Thank you, sorry. Thank you. I don't know what I'm saying. Thank you. Since Belt is getting traded, you're welcome. Since, yeah, since Belt is getting traded to the AL East or Anaheim, do the Giants give Hosmer six years or seven years? Well, I don't know where Belt is getting traded, but I don't see the Giants giving Hosmer six or seven years. I see them giving him four or five. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Hosmer would be such a catastrophically bad deal. I would probably put a pause on my Giants fandom for a couple of years until this whole thing blew over. No, you wouldn't. The Giants <laughs> signing Eric Hosmer would be the perfect thing for your brand, Brian, and you know it. Uh, I mean, I can't... There's no. There's nothing that makes any sense about a move like that. Because Brandon Belt... <laughs> because Eric Hosmer is, is not great, and Brandon Belt is better. Um, but I also think Brandon Belt is a ticking time bomb because of his injury history, and I really mean his concussions and his age, obviously. Uh, his aging curve's not going to work out in the next couple of years, and coupled with all the concussions. I mean, I'm actually legitimately worried about Brandon Belt as a human being first, and I don't know how many more years of his career he has left because of his health, which, Sammy, that seems I can't more hear alarming. I can't my computer yes. on fire. <laughs> Sammy, what's your answer to this question? Yeah, what is your answer? Hmm. Not polite, so I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I would say this, though. I think Brandon Belt retiring in like the next year or two could very easily lead to him becoming a broadcaster for the Giants. So... I don't think, see, here's the thing. I don't think that he's at the point that he needs to retire, though. And so I think I enjoy watching Brandon Belt play baseball. I think he's good at it. And I'd like to continue doing that as long as he stays healthy. So I would prefer that it, that he play for my team. So I'm not going to entertain the possibility otherwise until I have to. Okay, so Sammy's just choosing the denial option, which wasn't an option, but she's choosing it very well. <laughs> I mean, I, I, will say th- I will say this about concussions. Um, Joe Maurer... Right, he had to stop being a because if he got hit with another foul ball, it might like it literally might have killed him, and he's still playing first base. So I'm not super worried about belt in the short term with concussions. Okay, all right. Uh, this is a weird question to end on for the uh, for the year, but I guess we're doing it. <laughs> um, Rob Hainer also asks, because I, I can't see any other questions here, who do you think is best set up to break their World Series drought? Cleveland, uh, Rangers, Brewers, Padres, Nationals. They own the five longest droughts. First, Rob, I'd like to thank you for using all the other team names except for Cleveland's. That was nice. uh, great. I really appreciate that. Um, let's see. And it seemed, I mean, I probably would have said this answer is, my answer would probably be Cleveland. Still, but it feels like their window, they're kind of leaving that window of time. I don't, I don't think their window is really closing. They were better this year than they were last year. Um, I mean, even, even Zach Miller's kind of taking a step back. 
they, they've got to get Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller. They've got to get um, not Carrasco. Who's the other pitcher? They've got to get those Salazar. two big. Yeah, they got to get those two guys through a whole season without getting injured. I mean, they they do, but at the same time, I would say that Andrew. I'm not that worried about Andrew Miller because you don't need like a super weapon who you throw out every game. You need just a guy who gets good. And that, I figure I think they have a really good shot at making the playoffs next year. Um, I think a better shot than anyone else on the list, including the Nationals, because the Nationals front office is such a disaster. Uh, and so I would say Cleveland is a pretty obvious and correct pick. They also have a really great manager, Terry Francona. They, they have manager. a fantastic manager. I would like to see, uh, first I'd like to see the Nationals make it through one round um, before we go that far. Um, and then because we had Lana Berry on the, on the podcast earlier this year, and she has been, she's a Rangers and a Dodgers fan, and think about the last decade for her. She must so, hate Giants fans. Yeah. Oh, my God. So she, I would really like for the Rangers to get one for her. I would be so happy for her because I couldn't be for the Dodgers, but then she ended up going through three series in the last decades where she's had her heart broken. So I'm going with Rangers. Do you think they're the best set up out of all those teams? Oh, no. This is purely for I want oh, to see okay. my friend just stop suffering. <laughs> Uh, I think it feels. I mean, on paper, the Nationals really. I would say they're at least Cleveland's equal. Yeah. Uh, in terms of being set up, but I would also say the the Brewers are probably not far behind. The Brewers seem to be on a nice progression with their rebuilding strategy. Um, so that'd be interesting. I I'm, guess I'm subconsciously ranking all these, but the Rangers seem. You know, they have the resources. I, you know what I'm bummed about with them is I really wanted. To see you, Darvish, win a World Series with them, with yeah. the Rangers. So uh, the fact that he was close with the Dodgers, I actually was like, uh, I like you, Darvish, a lot. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's our last question. But I guess to end this year properly, I'd like to get both of your – you guys can talk about whatever you want for a minute or two. Why not? Just about the Giants, about – about uh, any announcements, one of you has secretly been Tommy Lasorda this whole time. I don't know. So, um, oh, Tommy Lasorda, Suicide Watch. We never did a running count of that, but he oh, did say if the Giants didn't win the World Series, he would kill himself. Um, if the Dodgers didn't win, you mean? Yeah, if the Dodgers win. You know, in fairness to in fairness to Suicide, he is in his nineties. So <laughs> I oh it's I, not... <laughs> I forgot I forgot about this, but uh, Magic Johnson at the beginning of the year said that if the Dodgers didn't win the World Series this year, then the season was a failure. So, oh, Dodgers was a failure. There you it's have it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many things we didn't even cover with all that. Like the Giants are clearly going to be trying. I've tweeted this, and I'm repeating it now. So it's on a verbal record, an oral record, and that is the Giants are going to clearly try to sign. They're going to sign one or two guys, and one of them that's going to get tagged with might be the next Chris Taylor. That's my <laughs> my prediction. Uh, nothing. Well, oh, Sammy. I'm Sammy. Thinking. Okay. All right. Oh, well, what? while you're doing that, Sammy, thank you for taking over and and running the show for two months. And and Doug, thank you for being uh, such a a game a, a team player. I'm just going rolling with it, <laughs> rolling with my stupid punches, rolling with Sammy's punches, the whole thing, the whole shebang. And to all of our guests who we've had uh, this season, thank you for for this year for coming on. It's been great. Um, and those Brian guests who are lost due to technical difficulties. Yes. 
Oh. Yes, and, and he gets lots of technical difficulties, which has to happen every year. Uh, and I got to remember to edit this part out because I will try to record Grant between tomorrow and Tuesday and just stick in five minutes there because it'd be weird <laughs> if Grant wasn't on the show. No, he's just been busy and he can't do Sunday nights because he has a family and I can't do the during the week most of the time because I have to work. So, But I'm still going to try to squeeze in five or ten minutes there. I will. Oh, I'll tell a Grant Brizzy story. I did have drinks with him when he was in L.A. for the World Series um, and he was convinced that the Dodgers are going to win the World Series on his birthday, which is <laughs> Halloween, and that he's going to be celebrating his 40th birthday with balloons uh, from the Dodgers celebration raining down on him. That was the image he saw for himself. Oh, so. no. <laughs> but it didn't happen because the, Do- the Dodgers had a failure of a season. So. <laughs> um, oh, are we, are we doing a thing to say for the podcast at the end? Sign off. Uh, okay. uh, Doug's final thoughts. <laughs> um, I think my final thought is uh, the Giants might be bad, but you should still subscribe to this podcast and tell all your friends to subscribe because – my lifelong dream has been that I would read a Squaresoft promo at the end of a podcast. <laughs> so make that happen, people. We do want to. Yeah, that's a good point. You can have Blue okay. Apron, Brian, or Sammy. Right. I don't know. Either of you. You can fight that out. Better way yeah, to we, we want to. <laughs> Enter promo code shut up, Brian. Yes. <laughs> Sammy, it could be about anything. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so thanks for sticking with me when um, Brian was out. We had some fun. We had some technical difficulties. And I will. my last thoughts on this season are don't trade Brandon Belt. <laughs> don't trade. <laughs> Great. I think we, we all three of us are uh, don't trade Brandon Belt, right? Yeah. I don't believe that from the two of you. Well, I don't want him to I don't want him to be it. traded at all. I want him to be the starting first baseman or the starting left fielder and then leave it alone. And then that's it. That's what I want. On the other hand, Sammy. No. <laughs> no. If Giancarlo Stanton is on the opening day roster, I might have a different <laughs> No, we all want Brandon Belt there. Uh, and thanks again for listening and all your support. It's been fantastic. Uh, you know where to find us. And... Uh, Leave a comment below if you have any suggestions, whatever. We'll be back. Some some version of this podcast will be back in 2018, and we'll review all the moves, and we'll talk about how great Brandon Belt is still on the team. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. I will do that. Thanks to thanks for talking, everybody. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye, Sammy. Bye, Doug. Thank you. Bye. What, what do I punch here? I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Just hang up, maybe. Nazis! Punch Nazis! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>